You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. So we go. Their Tour Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Wednesday. December 21st, 2022, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for a fun Wednesday National Signing Day edition of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know. No college hoops today, although Tuesday was a fun night of college hoops. Duke loses. UConn rallies. Marquette Providence double OT. But today's all about football, baby. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We're going to open. Did you see what Pat Narduzzi said? NIL. He said Drake May, the UNC quarterback, has been offered some crazy NIL money. I tell you, the media is going off on Pat Narduzzi blaming him. I tell you why I believe Pat Narduzzi. We'll get into that. We will get into some of the other portal and national signing day news and notes. How about Kentucky locking in Devin Leary? This one is big. I'll tell you the two or three stories to follow in the lead up to National Signing Day today. And then then let me say this. We're going to have a fun interview to cap the show with a gentleman named Luke Fedlam. Okay, Luke is a guy I've had on my radio show a few times. Really smart guy. He is a lawyer. He is not an agent, but he is a lawyer that works in the NIL space. He consults parents, schools, players, etc. And I thought on today, on National Signing Day, Today was a really interesting day to have him because this isn't just Torres yelling and screaming. It's not even Torres saying, hey, I talked to this coach or this AD or this administrator or whatever. This is a guy that is in the trenches looking at these contracts, working with these players, working with these parents. It is a fascinating interview that I think you need to listen to to, to, till the end to, to end today's show. We talk about the current space of NIL. Where it's going? Are we headed towards a revenue share model? Will student athletes one day be employees? Fascinating conversation. You will enjoy. Before we get started, by the way, one quick announcement. New Year's Day, January 1. Huge day for you folks in the state of Ohio. I You already know what I'm saying. You already know what I'm saying as legalized sports betting comes to the state of Ohio. And if you can watch behind me on YouTube... Betfred Sportsbook, the banner. We got the new banner with the Betfred logo. It looks great. 
But here's the bottom line. Betfred is throwing the party to end all parties. Cincinnati, Ohio, January 1, New Year's Day. It is at a place called Foling Warehouse, and your boy Torres will be here. Here's what you need to do if you want to get involved. Why would you go? You're probably sitting there saying, ah, Torres, you're okay, but am I going to come out to Cincinnati? Here's why you got to come out. They're giving out 50 free tickets to the Monday night game between Buffalo and Cincinnati that Monday night. That's right. Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow. You can be there, Foling Warehouse, January 1, New Year's Day. They are having all-day betting contests to determine who is the best better in the state of Ohio. Anthony Munoz, the Hall of Famer, will be there. Aaron Torres, the soon-to-be maybe Hall of Famer, I will be there as well. Foling Warehouse, Betfred Sportsbook, Betfred Sportsbook launch party in Cincinnati, January 1. You want to be there. Betfred is the presenting sponsor, and I cannot thank them enough for their support. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, I'll tell you, you know, as you guys and girls listen, it is National Signing Day, and there's just so much going on in college football right now. Obviously, we will get to some of the news and notes to watch out for, not only on signing day, but some of the stuff that happened in the lead-up to signing day. Beyond that, there's some portal buzz that we got to get to. Devin Leary, the quarterback from NC State, committing to Kentucky. We will discuss that momentarily. But before we do, I want to get to the juiciest, most interesting piece of news that came out over the course of the last couple days, and it actually had to do with somebody who did not go into the portal, who is not signing somewhere, and who is not leaving the school that he is currently at. The player... He's a kid named Drake May, okay? So I think most everybody listening knows this, but he is the starting quarterback at North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina legacy for the college basketball fans. He is the younger brother of Luke May, the former North Carolina basketball player, but really this year established himself into one of the elite quarterbacks in all of college football. Just finished his redshirt freshman year, so he's only, you know, in his second year, not eligible for the NFL draft. He was a Heisman contender at various points this year, and I think everybody believes that he is QB number two in next year's NFL draft behind Caleb Williams. So he's obviously an insanely talented player, and he is so talented, as a matter of fact, that as soon as the season goes final, uh, there start to be rumors that he could enter the transfer portal, that he is such a hot commodity, that he is such a a well-known established quarterback that you know, an Alabama or an Ohio State or whoever would love to have this guy in their program. And so those rumors start to ramp up. They start to buzz. Mac Brown says at one point, yes, he's been offered stuff by other people. And it comes to a point where eventually the rumors get so hot and heavy that Drake May has to come out with a statement saying, I love North Carolina. I am staying at North Carolina. Please put these rumors to bed. Yet just because Drake May made that statement about probably 10 days or so ago now, It doesn't mean that other people have stopped talking about Drake May. And maybe the most interesting quote in this entire NIL world, and by the way, we are having NIL expert Luke Fedleman a little bit later, but maybe the most interesting quote came from Pat Narduzzi, who we know based on the Jordan Addison situation from the spring is not only the head coach at Pitt, but a man that is very much not afraid to say what's exactly on his mind when it comes to NIL the portal, and the current state of college football. So Pat Narduzzi, what did he say? Why was he in the news? Well, on Tuesday, he was doing a radio interview in Pittsburgh. He is the Pitt head coach, where he said something very, very, very interesting that created quite a few headlines. What he said was as follows. On 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh, he said, 
that he heard two schools offer North Carolina a quarterback, Drake May, guy I was just talking about, $5 million to transfer. He wouldn't say who it was. He said he knows who it was, but he won't say it. Uh, and he also said that it's gotten completely out of control and it's only getting worse. His exact quote from the interview, it's a sad, sad deal. So this quote made quite a few headlines, created quite a bit of speculation. And what I found interesting, what I want to talk about now, was I find the whole conversation around NIL, okay? You guys and girls kind of know my stance on NIL. Unless we have somebody like John Ruiz that comes out and we have proof that something definitively happened, I don't like to dabble in NIL rumors and innuendo. John Ruiz, of course, is the Miami booster that put out publicly he was paying $400,000 to Nigel Pack, the starting point guard on the Miami basketball team, to uh, to represent his, his company, Life Wallet, a few months ago. So I don't like to dabble in NIL rumors. But why I want to talk about Drake May, not to say he defi- that's definitively false or that's definitively correct, but I find the conversation about NIL And I find the conversation about what both fans and media deem acceptable rumors and completely uncredible rumors. I find that to be the most fascinating thing about this whole conversation. And so let's get into it. Let's discuss. And let me start by saying this. As soon as the Pat Narduzzi statement or whatever came out, there were two immediate reactions, both from fans, but more importantly, who I'm going to criticize right now is the media. The first one, well, that's just completely untrue. Why would anyone turn down $5 million to play college football? I don't care if you're the son of the coach. There's no way you're turning down $5 million. That was the first reaction. Then the second reaction was, well, if Pat Narduzzi really wants change, he's got to call out the actual coaches that did it. I want to dive into both of those. But before I do, I want to get right to the punchline. I don't want to spare it. Media, you are so full of crap. Media, you need to look yourselves in the mirror Media, you are, you're just so full. I can't stand the conversation around this NIL stuff. And I can't stand the people who push the conversation, that stuff. So let's break it down. Let's talk about it because the first one, well, there's just no way that this can be true. Now, look, do I believe that it's a hundred percent factually a thousand percent correct? I can't sit here and say that I know for sure. Okay. What I can say is I do, you know, we have heard even publicly that there is a market for an established college quarterback that's seven figures, okay? I'm not saying that's what it takes to get an established college quarterback. I, I'm guessing I don't know. I don't think that it took seven figures to get Devin Leary to Kentucky, which we'll talk about in a minute. I don't think it got seven figures to get Drew Pine to Arizona State, the former Notre Dame starting quarterback who committed to Arizona State. But we have heard rumors that there is a lot of money in the NIL space specifically for uh, specifically for an established quarterback. If you remember about two, three weeks ago, there was a rumor we might have talked about it on this show. Sam Hartman, a multi-year starter at Wake Forest, there were reports that he might enter the portal because the money that was getting thrown at him in quote-unquote NIL was through the roof. His coach, Dave Clawson, even commented on it, basically saying, look, if the money is that good, he should consider it. Now, he, as of right now, has not left, but the rumors were that if he did hit the market, he could potentially get seven figures. Not that he definitively would, but that he could. And so to me, I don't know why it's so insane that the possibility exists that Drake May, a potential NFL franchise-changing quarterback, could get $5 million at the college level. But let me take it a step further, because 
What I don't understand, and by the way, here's the other thing that cracked me up. People said, there's no way he's turning that down. Well, who, first of all, who says that he's coming back to North Carolina for free? Like, I'm sure he's making some money, so I could believe that he was offered $5 million and that he is getting enough money at North Carolina where it's not enough to get him to leave somewhere, go somewhere else, compete for a job, uh, new players, new teammates, new coaches, whatever. So, like, the idea that he's just not getting anything at North Carolina is ridiculous. But why I bring it up, I just find the whole conversation about NIL weird, funny, hysterical, bizarre, because I don't really understand why some rumors are deemed completely credible, but some are deemed completely insane. So let me give you an example, because I was thinking about this when I as soon as I saw the rumor and I saw everybody in the media, there is no way that's happening. Well, wasn't it a year ago that everybody saw a story about Texas A&M? where the report was from a very credible news journalist named Sliced Bread that Texas A&M was paying a million dollars to every recruit in their 2022 recruiting class. That was the report that was out there, and I saw credible media members run with it. So you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me that it's completely reasonable to say that Texas A&M is paying a million dollars to every recruit all the way down to their three-star punter, but it's impossible that Drake May would demand $5 million as an established quarterback? Texas A&M, completely conceivable. Drake May, completely inconceivable. I don't get it. Doesn't make sense to me, and it cracks me up with what is deemed a credible media report and what isn't. And then I'll take, and by the way, the A&M stuff was reported by somebody named Slice Bread. Pitt and Pat Narduzzi is an actual college head coach who is saying this stuff on the record. So you believe sliced bread, but you don't believe Pat Narduzzi. And then, oh, by the way, the reason that we were supposed to believe the Texas A&M reports was that other coaches weren't willing to say it on the record. Well, you know, if Nick Saban says that he bought every player, then he must have bought every player. So Nick Saban's credible, Pat Narduzzi's not, doesn't make sense. That's the first part. The second part that I also heard was, well, Pat Narduzzi, if he wants change, He's got to call out the coaches individually who are doing this. Well, wait a second now. Didn't Pat Narduzzi do that in the spring? Didn't his best wide receiver, Jordan Addison, enter the transfer portal? And didn't he say right away that kid was tampered with by USC and he's going to end up at USC and he called out Lincoln Riley in public and he personally called Lincoln Riley and yelled at him? So are you mad at Pat Narduzzi for not calling people out, but you were mad at him in the spring for doing it? And so I guess where I stand on all this Drake May stuff is one, I do sort of believe it. Um, And two, I don't really care. What bothers me, though, is the way that certain schools are covered, certain coaches are covered, certain programs are covered in one way and certain programs are covered another way with the same amount of innuendo facts, rumors, whatever. Because just think about the the NIL conversations of the last two years. So I'll give you two separate examples. One, think about Texas A&M. Texas A&M signs the number one recruiting class after an eight and four season. And they must be paying people because it's absolutely crazy. How else could they? Meanwhile, Texas signs a top five class off of a season when they went five and seven. But that's perfectly normal. Nothing to see here. Nothing weird there. How about this year? Miami off of a five and seven season has three five-stars committed, and they are probably going to end with the number three recruiting class in the country this year. And we have a Miami booster on the record saying that he's paying players. So Texas A&M has a crazy slush fund that everybody's getting paid out of. But Miami, ah, they just signed a top five recruiting class. Who cares? And then it's the same with the coaches, right? 
Every time Lane Kiffin calls out somebody, everybody thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. Oh, my God, Lane Kiffin, LOL, he's crazy, whatever. But Pat Narduzzi does it as well. And so this has always been an issue to me with how things are covered in college sports. We could cross, you know, sports, cross barriers, whatever. I've said it for years. One of the reasons I've always defended John Calipari, uh, you know, maybe not so much this week after he lost to UCLA. But why I've always defended John Calipari is because we have text messages with Bill Self telling Adidas that he needs Adidas helps getting players. Uh, we have Zion Williamson's parents moving into some crazy house in Durham while he played for Coach K. But John Calipari is the bad guy. You know, you go back a few years, why I always defended Jim Calhoun. Jim Calhoun's the bad guy. In college football, it's the same. And so I just bring it up because I just want fair coverage. Do I? And by the way, let me wrap by saying this. One, I think it could have happened, the Drake May stuff. But two, and more importantly, I don't really care. For years, all you guys and girls told me, players should get paid. Players should get paid. Fair market value. Well, what's more fair market value than a transfer quarterback? What's more fair market value than... A quarterback that's established, you know, NFL quarterbacks make $40 million a year. A college quarterback shouldn't make five. So I have no problem with it. I have no problem with any player in any sport getting any NIL if that's what the market dictates. I sort of believe that that number might not be correct, but it probably isn't as crazy as you think. And I promise that is all I'm going to say about the Drake May situation. But I just want to wrap by saying what the kids say. If you're mad at Pat Narduzzi, I want you to bring that same energy to Lane Kiffin. If you're mad about Texas A&M from a year ago, I want you to bring that same energy to Miami and to Texas because the same amount of actual data that we have that Texas A&M paid all their recruits is the same amount of data that we have on Texas, Miami, Alabama, Georgia, anybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's get to some other odds and ends in recruiting. Obviously, today is National Signing Day, so in a minute, we'll get to some of the high school news and notes. Uh, by the way, since it is National Signing Day, you'll be able to listen in real time and make fun of me with all the stuff that I get wrong. But at the same time, I before we get to the high school stuff, I do want to get to a couple news and notes from the portal. Uh, really interesting time in the portal. Obviously, with Signing Day coming, a lot of kids are committing 
And it's been a busy day. Not only are kids committing, kids are still hitting the portal. Uh, all the Jackson State marquee players have hit the portal. Shador Sanders, ja- uh, Deion Sanders' son, the quarterback, has hit the portal. Shiloh Sanders, his older son, the safety, is at the portal. Uh, you know, Travis Hunter is at the portal, although he says he's planning on visiting some other schools. Michigan quietly appears to be having a great portal cycle. Five kids already committed. USC doing a really good job. Arizona getting a commitment from Justin Flo, a former five-star uh, linebacker, not to mention they flipped a kid from Alabama a few days ago. So the point I'm trying to make, a lot going on, and at some point we'll kind of do the portal news and notes recap. But I do want to focus on one specific thing as we head into signing day, because I do think there was one major note from the portal, and it came from the player that I have told you guys and girls before, I believe was the best player in the portal this cycle. Now, there is no Quinn Ewers. There is no Caleb Williams. There is no guy that is going to step on campus, Heisman Trophy winner or contender. But I said, I've said all along, I said, I think there's one quarterback that's better than that. He's the best quarterback available. That quarterback was Devin Leary multi-year starter at NC State. Two seasons ago, 2021, when he was fully healthy, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions. This year he gets banged up, decides to return to college rather than test the NFL draft waters. Well, on Tuesday, he did make his portal commitment and he decided to commit to, drumroll please, the University of Kentucky. How about my boy Mark Stoops? How about my boy Liam Cohen? How about them Wildcats? Listen, a couple things stand out. One, as long as this kid stays healthy and he had a weird pec muscle thing, like that's not something you can plan for. This kid's a really, really good quarterback. And I give credit for Mark Stoops and his staff for going out and getting their guy. I saw Justin Rowland, who is, I think, no disrespect to anybody else, but he's as plugged in on Kentucky football as anybody. He said he believes this is the best commitment in the history of the program, okay? Yes, at one point, Tim Couch committed, but he was a high school quarterback in the state of Kentucky. Yes, Will Levis committed, but we didn't know how good he was at the time or how good he could potentially be as an NFL prospect. Devin Leary is an established all-ACC, you know, like fringe all-American kind of guy. And if you wanted some idea of how good that he could be, just know who else was going after him. I mean, Notre Dame ran off their starter, Drew Pine, hoping to get Devin Leary. There were a lot of other schools involved. And so Kentucky going out and getting him, to me, it's just a major statement on where this program is and where they are going going forward. And I'll say this, a guy that I was very critical of during the regular season. I do give credit to Mark Stoops, okay? And so as far as Mark Stoops is concerned, listen, I think most people that listen to this show regularly know my my criticism of Mark Stoops. Great coach, best program builder, maybe of my lifetime. But it does feel like at a certain point he has decided in big games, specifically on the road, he plays not to lose rather than to win. I do believe that has held back Kentucky in the past. Well, to his credit, changing the coaching staff, the reports are Liam Cohen from the Los Angeles Rams will return to Kentucky as the offensive coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator two seasons ago. And this, to me, is a statement of who it, who Kentucky is as a program. This is a guy. I, listen, I know there was no portal six, seven, eight years ago. This was not a guy that would have considered Kentucky if there was a portal six, seven, eight years ago. So it shows how far they've come. And I think it shows to me who they can be next year. Now, again, Mark Stoops has to let his offensive coordinator put together a game plan that highlights the players that they have. But I'll tell you this. I don't uh, during the season, I wasn't as critical of Will Levis as most because I don't think the offensive line was very good. And I don't think the offensive coordinator in conjunction with Mark Stoops put Will Levis in the best position to succeed. 
But if Liam Cohen comes in and does his job, you have some really dynamic young wide receivers, Barry and Browning, Dane Key. And then on top of that, the offensive line should be better with some players that they plugged in from the portal. And I'll say this. I, I, I thought Kentucky was maybe a little bit overrated coming into this past season. I think next year could be the year that they're a little bit underrated because you look at the rest of college football and specifically the SEC East, we understand Georgia's on a tier above everybody else. But Tennessee, what are they going to look like post and hooker? Not saying they, they, they definitively will take a step back, but I think it's a conversation worth having. That game would be in Lexington. Obviously, South Carolina, they're losing everybody to the portal, which is kind of interesting, even after an eight-win season. So great get by Kentucky. Don't want to, like, oversell it, but this is a really talented player who I believe can elevate that Kentucky program back to that nine, nine and a half. I know in theory you can't get nine and a half, but nine, nine and a half, ten win threshold that they've been at a few times the last couple years. Really like this kid. Plug and play, Kentucky fans, you will be happy. Um, you know, from the portal, I think I, I kind of hit on some other odds and ends. So let's get to some of the National Signing Day stuff really quick. I'll say this. I think the biggest piece of news actually came on Monday. And I don't know if this was technically a shocker based on the rumors and stuff that was floating around. But the number two quarterback in America, the kid ranked right behind Arch Manning, is a kid named Dante Moore. He's from Michigan. And in the springtime, he committed to Oregon. And at the time, it was a big deal. Like, how does Michigan lose out on this kid? Da 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 da, this and that. Well, in the last couple of weeks, he's taken some other visits. And on Monday, one of the schools he visited, UCLA, he officially flipped. And now the number two quarterback in America, depending on what rankings you're looking at, I know some of them have Nico, the kid headed to Tennessee, ahead of Dante Moore. But regardless, five-star quarterback headed to UCLA. This, to me, is a mega piece of news. Dante Moore flips from Oregon to UCLA. Now, in terms of, you know, kind of the context behind it, one, you follow Oregon reporters. They say they were expecting this. This had been in the works for a couple weeks. Dan Lanning has other plans. And listen, Bo Nix, the, the Oregon starting quarterback announcing he's returning, probably plays some role in that. So I don't want to undersell it and make this a bad thing with Oregon. Instead, I just want to praise UCLA. And this one to me is a shocker. And even after Dante Moore took a visit a few weeks ago, I wasn't sold that this was actually going to happen. And let me explain why. It's because of the fact, a few things. One, it's UCLA. Like UCLA doesn't even go after these guys, let alone get them. Two, in this NIL world, I kind of, my understanding of the situation at UCLA, they're behind a lot of schools in college football in terms of their NIL structure. So what this says to me is that this kid believes in the program that Chip Kelly has set up, the offense that he runs and his ability, him being the quarterback, Dante Moore to potentially be a plug and play kid. Now they UCLA took another transfer quarterback. So maybe he doesn't play next year, but it's clear to me that this kid thinks that he will be able to step in right away and contribute on a high powered offense. Credit to Chip Kelly for getting this done. And my only other real thought, it's amazing to me how quickly narratives can flip in college sports because you look at Chip Kelly even a year ago, when the even when the Oregon job opened, there was some talk that UCLA was trying to push him out because they didn't want him. Now fast forward, he goes 8-4 and four last year, 9-3 and three this year, heading into the bowl game in a few weeks. It's amazing how things can flip really quickly in college football. Chip Kelly has his quarterback of the future. UCLA, as they head into the Big Ten, and I think that's another part to remember as well, you're going to be trading in Washington State and Arizona State and Arizona. No disrespect to those programs. 
for Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, whoever. So UCLA gets their quarterback, really good stuff from them. Only real thought is as UCLA heads to the Big Ten, I said this kid's from Michigan. Big Ten, offices, Kevin Warren, UCLA at Michigan to open the 2024 season. There you go. I just gave you your storylines. I gave you your narratives. Let's get it going. Uh, A couple news and notes. Again, today, National Signing Day in college football. A couple things outside the Dante Moore thing. Another big flip, another one that we saw coming. Uh, Caden Proctor, top one of the top two or three offensive tackles in college uh, high school football, a five-star, was committed to Iowa from the state of Iowa, flips to Alabama. Ultimately, I don't know that this was all that surprising. He was a kid who took multiple visits over the last couple weeks, Oregon, Alabama. This past weekend, which was a dead period, I believe. I don't know if it was a dead period or what. I don't know if it was a dead period, but what I do know is he was at Alabama. He went back to Alabama on an unofficial visit, okay? Why that's important. An unofficial visit means he paid his own way. So when you have a kid committed to Iowa that is paying his own way to go to Alabama, it was probably a pretty good sign that he was going to flip. He flips there. And then in terms of storylines that you need to know going into today, National Signing Day, there really aren't that many. Most of the big players are signed. It doesn't feel like we're going to get a ton of flips or changes. The two the two noteworthy things that I see going into today. There's a pair of high school superstars in the city of Montgomery, Alabama. James Smith, Quay Russo, both uh, defensive players, both five stars. They commit at 1 p.m. Central, I believe. They're going to Alabama. And so, you know, Nick Saban, I think it's very interesting. Nick Saban, obviously, last summer, freaking out about Jimbo Fisher. They bought all their players. Well, how about Nick Saban coming back with a vengeance? He is going to not only sign the number one class in the country, if he gets these two kids, it could be a historically great class for Alabama. It looks like it's going to go that way. And the only other real note uh, uh, of importance, Mateo Uyangalale. If that last name sounds familiar, he is DJ's brother. DJ, of course, the former quarterback at Clemson, was down to Oregon, USC, and Ohio State. For a long time, he was believed to be an Ohio State lean. It appears as though he's going to USC. And this is something we could talk about on the next episode. I'll do an episode either Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, but the bottom line kind of remains is that these are the kind of guys that Lincoln Riley needs, right? We know Lincoln Riley can develop quarterbacks. We know Lincoln Riley can develop wide receivers, offensive guys. To compete at the highest level, to eventually compete with the Georgias and the Alabamas and Ohio States and maybe AMs and whoever, to compete for national championships, you got to get better in the trenches, specifically on defense. So we'll see. If Mateo commits to USC, that would be huge. Also, USC in the running for a five-star tight end, Deuce Robinson, who is not expected to commit on Wednesday. All right, I think that's it for this segment of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. And I'll tell you what, you want to talk about some interesting developments in the world of college sports. I just spent you know 35 minutes talking about NIL reports, rumors, innuendo, National Signing Day. And I decided today to do something a little bit different. Rather than just me talk about all this stuff, including Drake May, I went out and got us an NIL insider. So Luke Fedlam is a guy, he is a lawyer. He's not an agent, but he's a lawyer that kind of consults with NIL stuff. And he consults with families and parents and kids and this and that. And he's kind of the conduit in all these deals. And so I said, National Signing Day is the perfect day to get Luke on this show. I've talked to him before. 
get him on this show to talk NIL and to talk fact from fiction. It's one thing to have a guy like me talk about it. It's another thing to have a lawyer that's in the trenches to discuss it as well. So before we get out of here, Luke Fedlam is coming up, but it's now time for me to get out of here. Before I do, want to remind you, make sure you subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you subscribe. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Road to 18K, baby. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're inching closer. 18K, we're getting there. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. If you have any questions for the show, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com for the show. Check out the Aaron Torres Media Merchandise Shop. Make sure you're following your team's account here on National Signing Day. Torres on the Hogs for Arkansas. Torres on UK for Kentucky. Torres on the Vols for Tennessee. Torres on Auburn. Torres on Bama. Torres on UConn. Torres on Arizona. Torres on Indiana. Torres on Texas A&M. That is all for my segment of today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you FN. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back later this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday show. We'll figure out when. Pre-Christmas, we will be back to talk because we got National Signing Day stuff to react to. But now, let's get to Luke Fedlam. Of course, the NIL guru. The lawyer who does NIL stuff. He is great. You're going to love this interview. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back the sponsor of our Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pickup Challenge. I am, of course, talking about Bracket Phonetics. By now, you know all about Bracket Phonetics. I have been working with them for years, multiple NCAA tournaments. This year, Bracket Phonetics decided to get into the NFL space, and they are doing the Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge. We are doing the Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge, courtesy of Bracket Phonetics. What do you need to do? How do you need to sign up? How can you take advantage of Bracket Phonetics? Let me tell you right now. All you got to do, go to BracketFanatics.com, click the tab, join Bracket. The Bracket name is Torres, and here's what happens when you sign up. All you got to do, every single week, pick every single game on the NFL slate. Not against the spread, not over-under. Just pick every single game, and here's what happens. Winner, every single week, gets $100 cash, courtesy of BracketFanatics. So BracketFanatics.com, join Bracket, Bracket name Torres, pick the games, every winner, Every week gets $100 cash courtesy of Bracket Phonetics. And here's the cool part. When the season ends in a few weeks, you can still get a $1,000 season-long cash prize. That goes to the ultimate winner courtesy of Bracket Phonetics. 
not too late to sign up. You'll automatically be entered to win the $100 weekly winner. All you got to do, BracketFanatics.com, join Bracket, Bracket named Torres. Tell them Torres sent you, BracketFanatics.com. All right, joining me via Zoom. So <laughs> if you've listened to my show and pretty much any show that loves college sports or that is college sports related over not just the last couple weeks, but certainly probably the last year and change, so much of the conversation is about NIL, where we're at right now and potentially where we're going. And so rather than me just yelling and screaming like I tend to do sometimes, I wanted to bring on somebody that actually knows what they're talking about, an insider, a non-sports, a, a non-agent sports attorney, excuse me, counsels athletes, advises people in the NIL space to just tell us kind of sort of fact from fiction. Obviously, there's certain things you can, cannot say. But anyway, Luke Fedlum, again, non-agent sports attorney. You work with these athletes and these families on a day-to-day basis. And I'm very grateful that you made a few minutes to chat with us, Luke. How you doing? I'm great, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. And if it's okay with you, I'll do the yelling and screaming today. It'll be okay. awesome. So then let's just jump right into it. If I had to describe, if you had to describe to the lay person or the fan, you know, the fan that wants to know NIL, where are we today? You and I are recording here on the 20th of, of December, a day before signing day. If you had to just describe where we are in NIL right now, good, bad, going backwards, going forwards, chaos, how would you describe it to the average fan that just wants their team to be good on the field or the basketball court? Absolutely. Well, it's it's moving forward, and I think that's what we're all looking for. Right now, it really is the wild, wild west. And you kind of mentioned, you know, kind of crazy. Yeah, things are crazy right now uh, because it is it is still new. And if we think about it, this was the first this really was the first mm-hmm. football season where name, image, and likeness was really playing kind of an active role. So this is now coming up on the first signing day where name, image, and likeness, where people are much more engaged in name, image, and likeness. And this is going to be the first kind of real off season where we're already seeing players entering the transfer portal, even if that's just to try to force more deals for them and to stay wherever they are currently. So we're at a place where things are crazy, things are wild, but in the in the in the grand scheme of things i think that where we're at right now is good for college sports it's good for us to figure out let the market decide what name image and likeness is going to look like rather than somebody else coming in and trying to dictate what it's going to look like so that's why you think it's good because you on the one hand you use wild wild west but on the other hand um you say it's going in the right direction so is it just the right direction because as you said the market is dictating themselves we're learning uh, what the value of, of an individual, you know, football, basketball, quarterback, edge rusher is. Is that why you say that, uh, uh, Luke? Sure, it, it is. And and part of the reason why is because we're going to see this offseason for those boosters, those donors that gave to their collectives or that gave directly to student athletes to try to recruit student athletes to a particular institution and that institution didn't win. We're going to see real quick if they're going to re-up in these following years. And the market ultimately is going to decide, is it a good investment to invest seven figures in an unproven high school player that's coming into college? And, and, and I think that's why it's good, because it allows us to see what the market is going to be. Oh, I think in the next 
probably two or three years, things are going to calm down in the name, image, and likeness space. It's going to become much more normal. We're going to have a better idea of what fair market value is. We'll have a better idea of what people are willing to invest into student athletes from a name, image, and likeness perspective. And I think we'll be in a great place. But we need this period of time without, and we know the NCAA can't step in for other legal reasons, but without even Congress stepping in you know, and trying to dictate what NIL is, I think they will at some point step in in some aspects, but it's good right now for us to, for the market to figure out what this is all about. When you, so first of all, let me just ask you a pretty basic question. I mean, for, first of all, you know, I, I think, and, and this is something I do argue with people a lot about. I don't think like, like people say in the media, oh, this person's anti NIL. I don't think anybody really that, that I've come across is anti NIL in terms of players kind of getting a cut of the pie. I think what what people are concerned about or, or concerned, whatever term you want to use, is what Nick Saban accused Jimbo Fisher of, which is just buying players. Kids are no longer, um, you know, making decisions based on the traditional reasons, not on their futures, but on the present. But my question would be, you know, NIL comes into play, in, you know, what was it, July 1 or July 30th? I forget, 2021. How quickly did, did you know, how quickly did it go from, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do an autograph signing here for, for 5k or 10k to, you know, this is what, you know, uh, we're offer. This is what is alleged to be offered by this school, that school. I mean, I know, as you said, we're kind of in that first full cycle where these kids from the beginning of their recruitment, that was a conversation, but I'm just curious because it seemed like it escalated really fast of it, it, this is put in place for the right intentions. And then it quickly escalated into something that I think a lot of people, uh, you know, still to some degree, maybe not comfortable with. Sure, it did escalate quickly, and it and it and in some respects, there are certain things that have made it look very much like pay for play. When we talk about kind of some of these big deals that have been reported, especially as it relates to football in particular, but let's be let's be clear: name, image, and likeness generally is the ability for a student athlete to contract with a third party to be, be able to license or lend for compensation their name, their image, their likeness. There are a lot of student athletes that are in non-revenue producing sports that now can have camps and clinics that can go out and earn compensation like they haven't been able to before. That is name, image, and likeness operating really as it as it should. This idea of millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars to try to just recruit or this pay for play is not what name, image, and likeness was. But Aaron, we got to be clear here. There's been a lot of money in college sports long before name, image, and likeness. NIL didn't just all of a sudden say, oh, wait, we can put money in the hands of student athletes. That was happening before. It was against the rules. And so when Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher get into it and everything, it's like, we're, wait, we're, we're going to have this conversation now and you know it's been happening before. So yeah, things are happening, accelerating quickly, but let's just also not be be ignorant to the fact that it's been happening in the past as well. Well, and that's why I'll be honest is, is I keep hearing what you said to kind of lead the segment of, you know, the market will correct itself or it'll slow down or people realize they don't have a return on their investment. It's like it never stopped people from, from, you know, certain schools and certain coaches from overspending on five stars in the previous generation. And so I don't know if it ever I, I just think there's always going to be that new coach that thinks, well, if I just get the best players, I'm going to mold them and blah, 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 blah. And this and that. Um, but a couple of things. One, I, I would ask you, you know, as we close in on signing day, if you could give a loose percentage, there's no way to really know. But but how, what would you say the, the recruitment now, as opposed to, you know, two, three years ago? What percentage would you say the NIL is the decision versus, 
you know, the traditional sense of we, I used to commit to a school because of the coach or the system or the ability to get me to the NFL. What percentage of recruitments would you say are still about those kind of core things as opposed to just who is offering me the, the most, you know, the most compensation in NIL? Yeah, it's a really it's a really hard to just give a number. I mean, I my gut wants to say 50 percent. And and really, that's just from the perspective that I've talked to families, I've talked to coaches, I've talked to different folks, you know, different stakeholder groups in this space. And there are still a lot of things like a lot of factors that go into a student athlete making a decision as to where they want to go, especially at the elite level. Right. When we're talking about your four and five stars they're they're looking at everything that you talked about location tradition winning uh coaching staff roster ability to play right ability to make it to the next level so all those things still continue to play a factor but now name image and likeness is very much a significant factor as well and when it comes to football in particular all of those other aspects come into play much more than just nil right mm -hmm. because from that perspective, a student athlete is on campus for three years. They're going to make a decision that's going to help them out. Now, when it comes to basketball, which doesn't get a lot of discussion because you've got these blue bloods that everybody knows that, you know, top players go to. But name, image, and likeness can play a significant role if you're thinking about I'm somebody that's a one-and-done player because sure. my talent ability has already been determined even before I go. And everybody knows that I'll be on campus for eight months or seven months, whatever it ends up being so that I can go to the pros. And so getting that money through NIL is really just kind of a, a quick hit before I start making money just a few months later. So football is a bit different than basketball, but, but NIL is still playing a significant role. That's really interesting. And, you know, my background is more in basketball than football. And it is an interesting, I mean, I think even pre NIL, you saw that where a kid just went where he wanted to go because he, you know, and Anthony Edwards goes to Georgia because sure. he just wants to stay home. You know, Markel Fultz loved Lorenzo Romar. He said, you know, I don't need to go to Duke or Kansas or whatever. So that's really interesting. So you think in the football space, because it is a three-year commitment minimum, it, yes, NIL, we can't pretend that it has no factor, but that it is the other factors of the coaching staff, the location of this, the that, uh, much more so in football. All of that plays a role. And let's be honest, if you're a top recruit, you still have to develop while you're in college, yes. right? Because you still have those three years where you have to develop and grow. The big payoff, if you're that type of recruit, the payoff is making it to the NFL. So you're going to want to do everything you can to set yourself up to make it to the NFL where you can make millions as opposed to, you know, and going somewhere just for NIL where maybe you make a million, maybe it's in the six figures, you know? So from that perspective, yeah, NIL is a factor, but it's not the only factor. So let's talk about, you know, everybody, we're, we're just talking about the dollars and cents of it, but you consult with families, athletes, et cetera. Um, what are some of the the negative things? Because we we think, you know, there's a, there's a the, the pot, literal, you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You just show up and, and there's, you know, a, a blank check sitting there for you. What are some of the things, if there's a parent or a student athlete listening, that they need to just be careful of in this space? Because now a year, year and a half in, we're starting to hear of, Certain schools, maybe things aren't getting, uh, you know, the promises that were made aren't being kept. So what are some of the negative aspects of it? And from your experience, again, being a lawyer, how can families protect themselves in that regard? Well, I'm glad you said that because I was just about to say that I'm going to put my lawyer hat on here for a second because it really is important to understand the legal side of all of this. And for families, it's important for them to understand, number one, to demand that, that something is in writing, right? Mm -hmm, whatever that mm -hmm. promise is, whatever that you know, allure uh, of, of having a deal that's got, that deal has to be in writing. 
And if the deal is significant, you most certainly should have a lawyer mm-hmm. who knows mm-hmm. what they're looking at review that contract. I review contracts all the time. I mean, that's 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 really kind of what I do. I'm a contract lawyer. I just focus in the sports world. And I've seen contracts that have been just drafted that are awful. That that are I, I just read one the other day where it was a merchandising agreement for an elite athlete where the elite athlete could do uh, they would basically work with the company to come up with a, a brand a logo brand for them to sell on clothing and merchandise it and <laughs> they were going to charge forty percent of net net profits and everything which okay that 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 is not abnormal in that type of merchandising space but then they include a sentence. Just after that, that says, oh, and by the way, we'll also find you deals. And if we do, we'll do it at that same amount. Wait, what? <laughs> so that means all of a sudden now you're just going to slide that line in to get 40% on marketing deals? Like that's that's way more. I mean, the, the industry norm, I don't even want to say average, the norm is 20%. That's the height. Um, everything is 20% or lower. So to say you're coming at 40, those are the things, those one or two sentences here and there that get added in that have a significant impact. You you talked about, you know, kind of being on the basketball side. This is pre-NIL. But when you look at Zion Williamson and the initial contract that he signed with Prime Sports really went into, you know, there was language about how he it was a five year contract and he could only terminate for cause, which means there had to be a reason that they did something wrong in order for him to terminate, which, you know, really started the basis of that whole lawsuit that he got into. So understanding the contracts, understanding what it is that people are asking you to do, the education, this is why I get so fired up. The education is so important for families, for student athletes to make sure because there is an entire business that's a multi-billion dollar business going on around them. They've got to make sure that they understand what they're signing and what they're agreeing to before they get involved. Yeah, I, I don't know if we have any parents of the, you know, the, of a high pro, but but you know, I'm lucky enough where I've gotten far enough in my career to have have to sign stuff, you know, that that commits me to things and as a layman, I can't tell you the value of, 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 you know, paying whatever legal counsel you, you need to, to, to make sure you're protected because yeah, I mean that that's where, and you know, I don't, I don't know if it gets as much publicity, but, but, you know, you start to hear some of the negatives of one, just, just either a bad deal or two, just not being promised what, um, you know, kind of what, what you were told. So that's the negative, obviously the positive, more kids have, you know, money in their pocket generating for their school or whatever, what would you say like the next two to three years look like, you know, it's been about 18 months now. It's been a sprint. As you said, it's evolved from, you know, a, a card signing to, or, you know, an autograph signing to these collectives, to this, to that. What do you envision the next two to three years, let alone, you know, 10 years down the road? What do you envision the next two to three years? I think there's some aspects of college sports that are going to get even crazier in the next okay. two to three years. Let's do it. I really do believe I believe that student athletes are going to come up with some form of revenue share with mm-hmm. conferences on their multimedia, you know, rights deals. Can I jump in really quick on that? Would Please. that be every student athlete football? So like, cause obviously, and this is kind of the push pull and this is why I bring on a legal expert like you, there's a difference between the the football player at Ohio state that's helping bring a hundred thousand people into the horseshoe. And with no disrespect intended, the tennis player who is being basically subsidized by the university. So I'd be curious from your perspective, what, how, how you, how, how you, if there is a difference, but go ahead. I, I completely cut you sure. off. Well, so here's, here's what's interesting about it. It, it ends up coming. Most uh, agreements are, are based on whatever the parties agree to. 
Okay. Now, what's fascinating is that mm. when you look at the Big Ten. So the Big Ten, Kevin Warren, you know, Big Ten commissioner, uh, met with some student athletes, started talking as they as the word came out about this seven and a half billion dollar media deal that they started having some conversation with some student athletes. Now, conversation primarily with some football student athletes. All student athletes might not be treated equally from that perspective, right? From the revenue perspective, but it's going to be what they negotiate. You could very easily see something where, okay, every school um, gets a pie that's X number of dollars, right? So out of that $7.5 billion, then every school just for student athletes, not the school payout amount, but the, the student athlete, let's say pie is going to be a certain number. And every student athlete gets an equal share of that. But then maybe there's a kicker on the football side and that, you know, football student athletes get something above that. So everybody's participating, but, you know, maybe football, which we all know drives these media deals anyway, maybe there's something more there. But again, it all comes back to what ends up being negotiated by the student athletes. So I think we're going to see that. I think that we've also already started to see some discussion around, okay, uh, collective bargaining and student athletes potentially as employees and and just the notion of those two things happening i think that's what ultimately drives the conferences to say let's just negotiate something for the student athletes let's negotiate some form of revenue share because that's a much easier situation to manage than it is to have a union and have to collectively bargain and to have you know student athletes considered employees which as a side note, some people think that's way too extreme, that that's that there's no way that would happen. Well, the National Labor Relations Board, the NLRB, their general counsel, their head lawyer for the NLRB, and that's the organization that certifies unions, penned a memo, wrote a memo last year saying that, and she didn't even call them student athletes, I forget the exact term, but she basically said individuals who play football <laughs> and men's and women's basketball should be considered employees. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is that is stunning. So so this is actually happening. So these conversations yeah. are happening. So I think over the next two to three years, we're going to see uh, uh, the shockwave of change in college sports continue to grow and continue to expand. So so dumb question. So just so I'm clear. So you're saying that that a Kevin Warren or Greg Sankey, he's just going to cut out X number of dollars to avoid unionization, to avoid the student athlete becoming an employee of the school, because that's just a quicker fix, you know, less, less smart lawyers like you in the room to, to, to all that is, is that the, is that how I'm understanding it? I think, I think that's what we'll see. I think it's much easier to get out ahead of it. So one of the things that came up in the NCAA versus Alston case, uh, which again, this was the decision that came out right before NIL went live. The Supreme court was nine zero against the NCAA. It wasn't about NIL. It was about education related benefits, but in the decision and in the concurrence, they talked about the fact, the amount of money in college sports. Mm-hmm. So it, it's very clear. So the idea of now getting seven and a half billion dollars, a hundred plus million dollars to each school First in the Big school, Ten. Man. And every school, and excuse me, every conference, as they renew, you know they're going to continue to push. It's going to, it's not getting smaller, the, right? The amount of money is not going to get smaller. So that we know that if there's not something done, to say, hey, we're build, we're getting these deals on the backs of our student athletes. We need to somehow share with them something in addition to the the scholarship and the other kind of you know stipends that they get. If they don't do that, I think very much you will absolutely see lawsuits that will push for that and that will force their hand. And I think the commissioners recognize they'd rather not have their hands pushed. Let me ask you. I don't even know how to kind of 
you know, say this properly, but you know, about two, three weeks ago, Deion Sanders takes the Colorado job and he has the famous clip of, you know, I'm bringing my luggage. It's Louie. And in other words, some of y'all got to get out of here. And it was interesting because I think there was a portion of college sports fans that was like shocked. Like he just told these guys their scholarships are no good. They got to leave. And then I think there's another portion that, that kind of sit there and say, well, every coach does this. Dion just the only one that had a camera on him. And then I think there's a third portion that says, well, you know what? The student athletes have more benefits than ever before, but with, you know, what, what's the term with whatever comes great responsibility. And so how do you see the, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't even know how to ask this, but I, I just feel like wh- where, where are we going to be with the quote, the term student athlete in two or three years where, you know, if it is revenue sharing, if everybody gets it, but then if also you drop that, that, that fourth down catch on the goal line that costs your team, the game, the coach might, might have to figure out a way to get you like, like where I don't, I don't, again, I don't know if it's a question as much as it is just a thought <laughs> bubble in my head of the changing, not only the narrative around the student athlete in terms of the rights they have, but also kind of the, the, the real, the real world consequences that come with some of that. Does that make sense, Luke? It makes great sense. And I'll tell you the thought bubbles that you have are the same thought bubbles that coaches, uh, athletic directors, conference commissioners and university presidents are all dealing with those that same kind of thought bubble of well where is this all going because we if if there there are secondary tertiary effects there are unintended consequences of decisions and when we think about this idea of student athletes as employees yeah it can sound nice when we talk about revenue share like oh yeah that's great Mm -hmm. for student athletes to be able to share revenue but now what about can a student athlete be fired? What happens if a, a, a you know a student athlete is injured and workers comp and the long term effects of that? What happened? What about taxes? So now you get your your scholarship, you know, and 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 all the stipends and everything like that. Like now all of a sudden you get taxed on it because you're an employee. Like there are a lot of other things that come with that. So this idea of the changing nature of college sports it's real and it's challenging. But here's the thing: college sports has been evolving rapidly over the last Mm -hmm. 10, 20, 30 years. The last time before this NCAA versus Austin case, the last time that the NCAA was in front of the Supreme Court was in 1984 in the Oklahoma uh, uh, Board of Regents case. And the court in this NCAA versus Austin case referenced that and about how much has changed in college sports since then. Think about how much has changed in college sports in the last five to 10 years. Coaching, Coaching salaries, you know, now you have these hundred million dollar college coaches. You've got college coaches that are making more than professional certain professional coaches. I mean, the 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 conference um, media deals that we've talked about, right? Those have just grown exponentially. The money around college, around and in college sports, has changed drastically over the years. The idea that student athletes then should just be limited to making earning a scholarship and a little bit of stipend that that's what they've been receiving for the last 70 years and that they shouldn't get any more than that. That doesn't make sense. Right. I mean, that literally just does not make sense. Now, granted you have other issues. You have other sports. You've got title nine issues. You've got um, non-revenue producing sports that have challenges, you know, with that, that don't bring in the money like the football and the basketball do, but we're smart enough people to figure some of these things out. And I think that we're going to continue to see as we have the transformation committee, you know, at the NCAA and others, you know, think about this name, image, and likeness collectives NIL collectives were not expected when on July 1st of 2021, when NIL started, they didn't Mm -hmm. even exist. That phrase didn't even exist, 
but they now have pushed a lot of change. They've pushed the NCAA to come out with clarifying guidance on this. They've pushed schools to think about how do we engage with our donors and our community corporate sponsors and things along those lines. So sometimes having these these this change and having outside influencers have an impact, that can help us get to a place where maybe things make sense over the coming years in the midst of all this great change. So then I'll ask, ask you last question. I think you might've alluded to it. Um, 10, 50, you know, you talk about how much it's changed in 35 years. So, so 10 years, for, how much it's changed in the last two years, but yeah. um, 10 years from now, do you think there's just a, a revenue share as opposed to employees and unions and this and that? And and again, you know, I, I'm somebody that I want the, the, the athletes to get what they deserve. I also think to your point that you just made, there's a slippery slope of, of employees getting cut, getting fired, get, you know, getting booted off campus. Where do you think, is it, I'm talking too much, five years, 10 years down the road, where, where do you see college sports being? I think we'll have a revenue share with student athletes. I don't think I, what I think (laughs) this is always hard, right? I'm going on the record in 2022 for what we're going to be doing in 2032, but I'll tell you, I I do think that there's a way for conferences, for the NCAA, for conferences, for schools to have an agreement with their student athletes that doesn't cause them to necessarily need to be employees and have all those other effects, but that just says, Hey, as a conference, we're committing this to you, student athletes. We're committed to this. We're committed to your overall health and well-being. We're committed to you receiving compensation because we're making money off of you. We're committed to all of these things, just like they're committed now from an education perspective and all that. Like, I think just simply having the commitment to student athletes and honoring that commitment and sharing in the revenue, I think that's where we'll be five, 10 years from now. Is there anything on the NIL conversation that we missed? I mean, this was so insightful. I appreciate your time, man. Is there anything that we missed along the way? I mean, the one thing that we didn't really talk about that I think is where the NCAA really wasn't, it was proof that the NCAA was not expecting NIL to become a reality is when they made all their changes to the transfer portal in 2020. And now that we have NIL in 2021 and the two of them converge. It's mm-hmm. like whatever the particles, the fusion, the explosion of now this quasi free agency. And I think that's something that is really been a challenge that we're going to figure out what that free agency looks like coming into this first kind of not first off season, but really the first off season where collectives have been involved and big dollar amounts have been going to certain student athletes. It's going to be fascinating over these next really four to six weeks to see where things go. I'll just say, you know, I, I think it's easy in the moment to say, oh, it's crazy. It's this, it's that. But I think even the portal window, people are com- complaining now it's too condensed of a time. I think yeah. it does help. I think it does, you know, keeps your team together during the season. Then you have a finite date of you can go in here, you can get out there. I, I'm I'm with you is trust me, as I said, to lead the segment, yell and scream. I, I've been known to yell and scream a time or two. But the thing that I have even found even in this last year and a half is what, as they say, water finds its level and you kind of figure out how it works and what makes sense and what doesn't. I personally think maybe some of the high school signing periods should change. I don't think we, I'm glad that we're talking here a day before national signing day. I don't know that it should necessarily overlap with the portal, but you know, they don't get paid. I don't get paid to make those decisions. So Luke Fedlum, man, uh, you know, again, a, you know, lawyer expert, all that stuff. Where can people find more of your work, what you're doing? Cause this was like, so it's so important of a conversation to have. And, and I'll tell you what, man, in the coming months, we got to have you on again soon as this stuff continues to evolve. 
Yeah, Aaron, first of all, thanks for having me. I'd love to be on again. Um, people can find me on social media at Luke Fedlam, uh, just my name, very simple. And then uh, advancednil.com. You can learn more about some of the work that we're doing in the NIL space at the college level and the way we're working with pro teams as well. Advancednil.com. That will be my one-stop shop because I, I get a new question every single day about how this works and what's allowed and what's not allowed. So, Luke, thank you for your time. We'll do it again soon, and we appreciate you, Luke. Thank you. Aaron, thanks so much. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.